Come stay and play at Live Casino and Hotel. Welcome to one of the biggest casinos in the country with luxurious clean rooms, upscale dining, and the grandest payouts. Now offering stay and play and all in packages, including $50 free slot play, VIP parking, VIP casino access, and more. Book now at livecasino.com or call 443-445-2929. At Arundel Mills, must be 21, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgambling.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Stephen Jodron. Joining me, as always, Jake Watroba and Ramonka Fai. On today's episode, takeaways from week two of MLS. The U.S. women's national team sue the Federation and Burhalter's U.S. men's national team roster. Now, listeners, if you haven't done so before, follow us on the Twitter machine at Pod. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button on any major podcast platform and leave us a five-star review. Now, let's get to today's episode. <laughs> Well, in the UEFA Champions League, we're getting all types of comebacks, but as far as CONCACAF Champions League, 0 for 3. Not not a good look. As we expected, right? Yeah, no, no surprise. We still have a fourth game, so waiting for a surprise, right? I said there would be a surprise. But that's like that one was the most likely the KCCAI match. That was the result that was most likely to uh, favor an MLS team, though. No, you're right. You're right. And we are recording before the KC match, so we don't know what's going to happen there. But we'll see. Anyway, Jake Watroba and and Armanka Fai. But let's get right to MLS Week 2 and kind of give our broad takeaway from it here briefly. And Jake, let's begin with you. Okay, so before we get into this, I just want to say that this might come across as a little hot take-ish. Oh, I like that. I lo- Anytime I you have to premise something as a hot take, no, Armand, I mean, Jake, I'm, it's not a hot no, 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 take. No, 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 no. I'm saying this because I don't want I, I don't want a backlash on Twitter saying, you don't know what you're talking about, see? Because <laughs> I know that's what's going to happen. Because it always happens. Well, I, yeah, so, I mean, you do have a tendency to get called out on Twitter. It happened, I think, what a week a week ago. Somebody called you out for yeah, I, uh, yeah. Our uh, good friend Jason from uh, League Fun One called me out for streaming totals on MLS Twitter, or the uh, Univision stream Facebook. on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. Yeah. And <laughs> I said there was about ten thousand people, and he said it was closer to fifty, and then. 
<laughs> During the 20th minute of the FC <laughs> Dallas LA Galaxy match, I took a screen capture and sent it to him, and I think it was just over 9,000 people. So I feel like I was somewhat vindicated. But anyway, my biggest takeaway from match day two or week two, whatever we're calling it uh, in this country, this league, <laughs> I, 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 I want to toss this question out to both of you guys. Are the Portland Timbers as good as we thought they were? Based on two weeks? Uh, I don't know. A draw and a loss. That's that's a great record. A draw to a team that, in Colorado, was playing a man down for a good chunk of that game. Matter of fact, I believe Portland was up 3-1 They were when Colorado they were, went a man down. It was 2-1, so, 2-1. 2-1. There you go. Uh, so there's that. They got absolutely destroyed by LAFC uh, on Sunday night. Portland has given up seven goals, six from open play, in their last two matches, which would be most in MLS, you guys. Yeah, but aren't they aren't they on the road for some time? So how can you judge a team if they're not playing at home? We know MLS is such a home favorite league that Play at home, you're more, more most likely gonna win. And, and if you're a good team, you're gonna put away a lot of points just because you're at home. This it, it we're Portland is gonna be a bottom feeder until they hit this massive home stretch in about June, July. I forgot when I think it's. I think they come back in June, and then they're gonna heat up, and make the playoffs, just like every MLS expansion team and DC United did last year. I think it's a matter of they're gonna add a summer acquisition as well, and they're gonna heat up. So I mean. It's basically a recipe for success, right? I agree. Isn't that how it works? I agree. All I'm asking is, are they as good as we thought they were? I... Look, I'm not sitting here telling you they're going to finish at the bottom of the Western Conference. That's not what I'm saying. And yes, they have opened the season up with two matches on the road. Granted, I think they probably should have beat Colorado in Colorado. I think Armand would agree. Stephen, I think even you would agree that they should have uh, secured that win. Now, the LA... LAFC game, you can say whatever you want about that. LAFC looks like they might be the best team in the league right now. Carlos Vela might uh, very well win MVP. But I think as a team coming off an appearance in MLS Cup, these last two performances are a little concerning. And I think Gio Savarisi needs to make some adjustments or else we might continue to see Portland giving up three to four goals a match. I mean, that's like I said, it's only two games. This is, sounds pretty hot take-ish. But I think this is still somewhat concerning if you're a Portland Timbers fan. Well, there you go, at Jake Watroba. Um, Speaking of LAFC, they have scored four-plus goals in eight different games since their MLS debut last year, three more than any club or any other club. Uh, and this is via Opta Jack. So, yeah, LAFC is hot rolling. And on MLSsoccer.com, after two weeks... Tom Bogert, butchered that last name as always. Three teams looking like MLS Cup contenders after two games, and LAFC's top of the list. Yeah, they're a good team. I would not put them in any MLS Cup contenders. You know what you can argue? Is they might have an, a, a really good shot at the supporter shield. Because if we know anything from MLS Cup playoffs, anything is possible. And maybe with the new format, there'll be a lot more emphasis on the home teams and the higher seeds, and then maybe that will change. 
But I, for people to say MLS Cup contenders, I think is is asinating because there's seven teams from each conference going into the playoffs. But LAFC, Supporter Shield, uh, front runner. That that's the hot take. I think you can take away after two weeks. Uh, I I like them. The way they've been playing is having really fun soccer. You know, uh, watching. I think three. I think they have a third game also on FS1 too. I think coming up. Uh, this week as well they're just it's just entertaining you know like it's just so fulfilling you see the stands are full the atmosphere steven's favorite thing to talk about when you, you watch soccer yes. is there you have carl's vela pulling the strings and looking magnificent um freaking uh, diamande off the bench has been superb uh you know subbing in for christian christian ramirez at some points i'm interested to see you know how they do overall because Armand. They look like a very fun team. Uh, this question for you. This is their next six games. NYCFC, Real Salt Lake, San Jose, DC United, FC Cincinnati, and Vancouver. They could very well be, you know, f- high flying here the opening eight weeks. They honestly really could. I think you're, I think you're spot on. And they also had a really hot start last year too. Yeah. Uh, you know, and but most of their games are on the road. This year they have that mixture of home games as well. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, the, the rotation. Does Diomande win the starting spot over Christian Ramirez? I mean, Ramirez has done well, but Dio has seemed to step up massively, you know, coming off the bench. Massive goal I, against I, KC. I, I'm really interested to see how they all work out uh, overall. You know, right now, Beta sure also had that, that injury. I think he's fine. It's a little concussion protocol. But you kind of saw they were a little thin. I don't know if. And you all noticed that during the match, but then throw Latif Blessing in at right back, and he was kind of lost for a little bit. So I'm interested to see how their depth holds up overall throughout the season. All right, Armand, you're talking about the Western Conference here in our pre-show meeting. You have the Western Conference standings f- f- waving that in our faces. What are we What are we talking about here? What's your takeaway well, from week so, two? So why So why do I have this stat up? Yeah, it's not well, stat. It's just a, a standing. Okay, it's, it's, a, sta- okay, it's, it's, it's a stand. It's, it's, it's a picture of the table. It's a picture <laughs> of the table. Why, why did I have it on there? Yeah, I don't know. You well, tell me. Well, we, we, we see Seattle on there. We see LASC we just talked about. But we also see the Wonderwall gods themselves. The <laughs> loons of Minnesota. Uh, this is from Off the Jack. Darwin Quintero creates six chances in the Minnesota United opener, providing two Assist. There's only been four other instances of a Minnesota player creating six chances in any MLS match. They beat San Jose 3-0 as well. Uh, they, they beat Montreal 3-2 in the first week. Guys, like, Jake, this is your team right here, but are the Loons entering that spooky territory? No. <laughs> and there's you Mr. Minnesota Beat fan. somebody more impressive and, 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 and get – beat somebody impressive and get back to me. Yeah, they dominated San Jose. Great. San Jose's probably the worst team in MLS. Wow. Yeah, they beat Vancouver. Vancouver's probably finishing, you know, somewhere in that 9, 10, 11 range in the Western Conference. Great. Well, I, I, Jake, I mean, Jake, they, Jake, Jake, they, come. They, just, they should dominate San Jose. They should beat Vancouver. And they are road games. I get it. This team hasn't won on the road in their existence in MLS. But that's what, that's what they should do. These are bad MLS teams. They're going to a, a more challenging opponent this weekend in the LA Galaxy. Let's see what they do against the Galaxy. And then maybe we can start talking about, hey, is this team uh, one of the better teams in the Western Conference? 
Jake, you have your team, the Loons, here. LA Galaxy, New England, Red Bulls, NYCFC, Toronto, and the Galaxy as their next six games. Or if oh, this is actually even, it gets a little bit even more tricky. DC United and Seattle Sounders follow suit. This is not an easy stretch here. The next eight weeks, what do you want out of them? What are they? What do they have to prove to you in order to say, "Hey, Minnesota United is going to be in contention for maybe a home playoff game"? Well, first and foremost, maybe maybe get a result this weekend against the Galaxy. They probably. We won't be with oh, yeah, time, I, so. I, I want to throw an asterisk on there. If you're talking about results that they should get, they should get a result against the Zlatanless Galaxy because they're they're not good without Zlatan. Okay. Sorry, I, no, I, 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 I interrupt. No, you're and right. You would, wait. Know better, you would know better than we would. Wait, 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 wait. Pause. Armand, I think you're correct. Against New England, I think you pick up the, the road win there. Red Bulls might be a tougher outing. Then you host NYCFC and then you go back on the road to Toronto. I mean... They could very well lose against Red Bulls in Toronto, but are you really going to be complaining that they lost against the Red Bulls in Toronto? And, you know, Toronto at the moment seems to be clicking some sort of gears. So it's tough to say with this Minnesota team because they are going through a tough stretch right here. This is this might battle test them a little bit because they're not at home for the opening, what, seven weeks, six weeks, five weeks. That's, yeah. <laughs> five, five weeks, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, they, th- this will this will kind of give us a better idea. This next uh, uh, it sounds like month and a half, two months stretch here for uh, for Minnesota United. This might this might give us a better idea of what they're made of. But I'm just not ready to jump to conclusions that this team is one of the better teams in the Western Conference because they beat up on the San Jose Earthquake. All, all, all I say is that they're spooky, not that you know they're. Armand, what's your uh, take on this team? Good, bad. I think they're solid because, as people have mentioned, these aren't wins that they would get last year. I think there's a little bit of a dynamic change. You see with Adrian, he's you know post game presser. He's like, "Oh, we got teams that can actually a team that can actually play," which is kind of a shot at every other Minnesota United team that's been there. Well, but <laughs> I mean, what does that say about a coach though? Too that he can't coach any of the players up. I mean, look at let's look at Francisco Calvo first and foremost. He's got the got him playing at at, at the left fullback position. Uh, this time last year, he was he was one of the uh, two center backs and was getting lit up constantly. He was getting dunked on. <laughs> so, I, yeah, what does I, that tell you about Adrian Heath that he finally? I mean, come on, let, let's be real. Minnesota United they did get better players. Francisco Calvo does look better out uh, out on the uh, as a as a fullback. The uh, acquisition of Roman Mantenaer has also been a uh, been a plus for them, as well as Elf. Uh, Ozzy Alonso and, and Jan Gregush and Ike Opara, they should make the playoffs, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you, yeah, they're going to be fighting with the Seattle Sounders and LAFC for home field advantage or, or, or a, for the top spot in the Western Conference. I'm sorry. I, I think I think that it'll be an interesting team, you know, a team that could easily surprise people, but easily like a boom bust, but can easily disappoint people as well, you know, versus a team like, like I'm comparing to LAFC, who shouldn't be disappointing people. I think Minnesota is one of those teams that's, hey, look, uh, they'll either do really freaking good, be a, you know, a team that is a home playoff game, or they'll be really bad and miss the playoffs uh, as a whole completely. Spooky. I like that word, Armand. I think you described them really well there. 
Spooky. They're spooky. All right, let, let's move on to the U.S. women's national team and how they are suing the Federation. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I think Alexi Lawless had something really interesting to say on his uh, State of the Union podcast, so let, let me just play that clip for you. The U.S. Women's National Team filed a lawsuit against the United States Soccer Federation alleging institutionalized gender discrimination, which they say has resulted in the women consistently making less money and experiencing worse conditions than their male counterparts. They're demanding pay equity and equal treatment. The U.S. women will easily win this in a court of public opinion. But in the court of law, it could get interesting, if it ever even gets that far, because this shouldn't go to trial. This is about money, and this will be settled with money. The U.S. women understand their leverage, and they've always been very smart about how and when they wield their power. But this does bring up some interesting and fundamental questions. Do the men and women of the United States national team perform the same job, and does that job require equal skill, effort, and responsibilities? Go ahead. Answer. If you say yes, the job is the same, then the two teams and players should be interchangeable. If you say no, the jobs are different, then inequities relative to either side could exist. There's also a good chance you'll be called sexist. But remember, the U.S. women's and men's national teams have separate unions and have separate collective bargaining agreements. Over the years, the men and women have wanted, negotiated, and voluntarily agreed upon very different compensation and treatment structures that reflect their unique needs. Now, I hope this lawsuit gets settled, and I hope the U.S. women get everything they want and more. They deserve it. They deserve it because the U.S. women's national team players are the best in the world at their job. Well, Alexi Lawless has got some some zang to his take there. I mean, look, the U.S. women's national team absolutely deserve equality and fair treatment. And we'll, we'll see what the litigation goes. I really doubt this goes to court. I think the U.S. will, the Federation will just settle out of court because... The PR battle, as Alexi Lawless mentions, it's already lost. I'm a little curious why this lawsuit or the whatever you want to – yeah, this lawsuit, I guess. I guess that's what we're calling it here. Um, why this wasn't filed just before the World Cup? Because wouldn't that garner more attention than – in the middle of March? I think they filed it on International Women's Day. I want to say that was that that day. Uh, they That's filed great. It on. That's great. But wouldn't wouldn't it be more powerful if they filed this just before the World Cup, when we're when the media is now giving them more attention? We're we're we're, we're preparing for this trip to France. And oh, by the way, the national the women's national team is suing the federation for discrimination. I mean, won't this? That's dark a good point. I mean, of, in, won't, so won't it, go ahead, kind of, uh, Yeah, but won't it kind of like? I'm sure it won't get settled or anything, but when it, or at the, before the World Cup, I assume, well, won't that kind of dark cloud just kind of be over? Not dark cloud, but kind of cloud over. Like, hey, look, you can't have to mention every single game the women's national team play, and at that, even if they announce it right now, if you know what I'm saying. Sure, but here's the thing: if you're if I'm a, if I'm on the women's national team, I want as much attention brought this. I, I want I want as many eyes and as many ears on this story as possible. The, the main reason being, it's going to put the most pressure on U.S. soccer to pay them what they think they're worth. Yeah, but wouldn't it be a distraction during the World Cup for them to be talking about the lawsuit rather than the play on the field? I mean, yes, according... Yes, here's the other thing, though. The, the women makes 
so much less than the men do that I think you can even argue that a significant pay increase is more important to them than winning the World Cup. Wow. I mean, a lot of the players have won it, you know, four years ago. So yeah, a lot maybe, of maybe, a maybe lot of to them... the maybe to former winners. I don't know. I don't. I I can't tell you the motive of these players. I don't know what they think. Interestingly, Caitlin Murray on Yahoo Sports uh, gave two big points on why they have a chance of winning this lawsuit. The U.S. Women's uh, National Team brings in more revenue than U.S. Men's National Team. Caveat: U.S. Men's didn't go to the World Cup last year in 2018, so. That definitely had a huge impact on revenue. But nonetheless, the U.S. women's national team did bring in more revenue. And lastly, U.S. men's national team gets higher bonuses for winning than the U.S. women's national team. So those are strong arguments. Now they have different bargaining agreements, different unions. So I have no idea what that means in the long term of things. However, this is going to be a cloud hanging over the national team and the federation. It might be a, a, a lesser of a cloud over the women's team and maybe not even a cloud, maybe a rainbow or something good that comes out of it. Over the Federation, this is this is a terrible look. This is something they do not want going into the World Cup when they need uh, they need eyeballs because the U.S. men's national team failed to qualify in 2018. The, the women here are carrying the world of U.S. soccer from the last five years or really from the last four years since they've won it and with the U.S. men's team failing to qualify. Can, can I uh, – I just want to add one, one more point. I was kind of disappointed in uh, Nike as a whole. I don't know if Nike – Nike, U.S. men's national, whoever's in charge of this uh, thing, you know, as soon as the women's national team's jerseys were announced for the World Cup, which – Slick. Those I'm things are lie. slick. I'm not going to lie. Some of them are pretty freaking sick. The white the one, French... man. The white Ooh. with the colors on the on. I guess on yes, the sleeves. Yes. Oh, those those, those are, are mean. slick. Buy me one. I want I, one. Sign I'm me up. I'm going to get one. Three stars, too, over that because, oh. you know, they got actual – they actually win World Cups. Um, <laughs> yeah. The thing that the thing that blew my mind was literally like within like maybe a couple hours, an hour, not letting like them like – we get the U.S. men's national team jerseys. Oh, there's their, their jerseys, too. It's like, bro, like – let them have their moment. You know, they're, they're, they're gunning for a World Cup. Let them have their moment where you show off the juries just for the women. Why do we care about, like, what Christian Pulisic's going to wear? Let them wear the same white shirt. It's not a big deal. It's, it's just, come on, give, give the women some more respect in terms of this is their World Cup. But I just want to say Nike, like, those juries are slick. Just saying, I think all of them are pretty. I think the French one looks pretty the nice. The polka too. dots? The the ones with yes. the that one is yes. by by far the most exciting and the coolest one to come out so far. And I and I want to say, off the top of my head, like the Australian one or something sold out. Like these are these are great in men's sizes, by the way, not women's in men's sizes. Boys, let let's turn the page to the U.S. men's national team, and uh, a couple of topics here. But let's just quickly go over the roster. Armand, you have that in front of you. Yeah. Uh, so the goalkeepers, Ethan Horvath, Sean Johnson, Zach Steffen, defenders, you got John Brooks, Omar Gonzalez making his return, Nick Lima, Aaron Long, Daniel Lovitz, Matt Miazga, Steven's favorite, Tim Ream, and DeAndre Yedlin. In the midfield, you got Tyler Adams, Michael Bradley, Steven's also favorite, Sebastian Legette, Weston McKinney, Pulisic, Roldan, Will Trapp, and at forwards, you got 
Paul Oriola, Corey Baird, Jonathan Lewis, Jordan Morris, Christian Ramirez, and Jossie Zardes. Some interesting stats for you. Guys, Michael Bradley has 143 appearances with the U.S. men's national team. Based on the roster that Burhalter just called up, who is second on that list? I'm staring at it, so I can't say anything. It's either DeAndre Yedlin or, or John Brooks. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin with 57, Omar Gonzalez with 48, Jesse Sardes with 42, and John Brooks with 36. That's a huge gap. Uh, if you take Michael Bradley out of the equation, you have a pretty young roster here that Burhalter called up. You know what? You take Michael Bradley out of the equation last cycle, maybe they qualify. <laughs> oh, 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 hot takes. I don't know. What do you guys hot think? Hot takes. Uh, the average age hot is 25 take. with 21 caps. I mean, think about it. You take Michael Bradley's outlier of 143, that gets brought down quite a bit. Uh, also, not 15 players play domestically in Major League Soccer while nine are abroad. Do we have a problem with that? No. Our, uh, some players, you know. Yes. I yeah, have I some don't. problems with some of the players that were picked that sh- that are playing abroad that aren't on this roster, yeah. Okay, go on. Uh, come on. Go on. Go on. Come on. Go off. Where the hell is Timothy Weah? <laughs> yes, I like it. Come on, Jake. Give it to us. Where is he? Where? Come on, man. Where is he? You can't tell. Jordan Morris coming off a bad ACL gets a call up before Timothy Weah does. Why? Because Jordan Morris played a, a good, two good games with the Seattle Sounders. Therefore, he's anointed uh, the, a call up. Why is Jonathan Lewis with the national team and Timothy Weah isn't? I don't understand why Weah is with the U23s. And Jonathan Lewis, who's 21, gets a call up to the senior squad. Why, why is that? Timothy Weah plays for one of the bigger clubs in the world with Celtic, while Jonathan Lewis plays for a little NYCFC at Yankee Stadium. Timothy Weah looks to be one of the cornerstones of the national team for the next, I don't know, eight to ten years. Fifteen. He's like 20. Okay, 15 years then. Let's go fine. We'll go 15 years. I just don't understand why Timothy Weah isn't getting – a call up over Jonathan Lewis and certainly Jordan Morris. I wh- whatever he scored two goals against FC Cincinnati. <laughs> Great. You don't think that's impressive? Oh well, maybe it is. I guess Atlanta couldn't score two goals against FC Cincinnati, <laughs> so maybe it is impressive now. Maybe maybe I need to change my. <laughs> my our, maybe we all need to change our thoughts uh, on FC Cincinnati. Granted, I said they were make the playoffs, so maybe I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth right now. I just I don't know I'm a little I'm a little befuddled as to why Timothy Weah didn't get a call up and somebody like Jordan Morris especially Jordan Morris just because I don't like the guy because of the whole puppy comment and that whole thing with <laughs> why he wouldn't go to Werder Bremen uh, I, I guess I'm a little befuddled why he didn't get called up I have a correction to make Tim- oh, Timothy Weah is 19 not 20 uh, Armand your takes on the national team roster call ups. So, unlike Jake, I'm about to hit y'all with um, a five-letter word. Relax. 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 Greg Perhalter Greg, Greg is still evaluating players as we speak, looking at players to add or, or keep. Omar Gonzalez might be, so, might be someone he looks at for a quick minute and says, okay, you know what? This is probably not worth it. We'll let him go. We won't call him up again. He's looking at players that 
have been a part of the national team program and see if they deserve, continue to deserve a shot. Or players used to call up in January camp, like Sebastian Legette, Roald Dawn, Paul Ariola, Corey Bear, Jonathan Lewis, Jordan Morris. These guys, look, it might not be the most flattering, the most brilliant roster that we see, but you know what? It's for a couple of friendlies. I think we should tone it down, relax a little bit. But I do want to say I'm kind of disappointed with the omission of Dwayne Holmes. I think he's been playing pretty well for Darby County, and I'm surprised that you know, he isn't on there. Mm. I think Berhalter could have, uh, you know, maybe uh, a couple of guys here or there that potentially were doing pretty good in January camp. He could have said, hey, I just want to say you guys did really well in January camp, but, you know, I want to look at a couple other pieces here or there. I'm not upset with the sergeant snub, nor I'm upset with the way of snub. Because the U23s are going to be more – those games are going to be better. They're going to, it's going to be better for – maybe not for them, but it's going to be more competitive and more enticing and more entertaining to watch. The U.S. winning the Olympics, I think, is a massive step in, their, in those guys' development. And look, key players have played in, in the Olympics. I think what Neymar was, was playing in the last Olympics sure was to represent his home country, but overall he was still playing in it. I think we should all relax – this is the March friendlies. If it's closer to the Gold Cup ever seeing this, then I think it's time to, you know, smash the panic. But, you know, being disappointed, calling it Bruce Arena-esque, all these things. Like, guys, who are you relax. calling out specifically? Because these sound like specific claims made by specific Dude, I'm, individuals. I'm, 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 I'm here. I'm here for this. I'm here for this, Simon. Who I don't want to call out anyone. Like, I'm not calling out anyone. I'm just saying. Well, whose takes I, are these? I, so... <laughs> So friends of the show. Well, I think one of them's a friend of the show. Uh, you know, scuffed. I love your. I love your stuff. I love what you do. Um, hopefully, I mean, if you listen to this, listen to it. Thanks for listening. But I, you know, calling it Bruce Arena esque. Okay, sure, let it be Bruce Arena esque. As long as it's not for a World Cup qualifier, I'm okay with it. And to Arthur Kogan, who I just found your tweet randomly on Twitter, uh, you can be disappointed in the USMS national team roster, but I mean, like I said, these these are friendlies. These you're just gonna get more and more looks. Cool. If it's closer to Gold Cup and this happens, and I'll allow you, and I'll allow you to be disappointed, and you can come on the show and say how disappointed you are. Overall, seriously, relax. Armand, I'm Not with that you. Big of a deal. I'm with you. Relax. Not that big of a deal. Twitter world, Jake, relax. You know why? You know why people need to relax. This is a critical factor right here. This statistic I'm about to blow your minds with. Greg Burhalter has taken 14 players from the January training camp. And you know why that's significant? Is he wants to implement his system to the other newbies, the Europeans, the Pulisic, all these other guys, and let them learn the system. Well, what makes sense? Try to explain to a bunch of new people what the system is or have an influx of the majority understanding Berhalter's system, and then they can teach it, and then they're going to be shedded, and now the core guys know what to do. Relax, guys. I mean, w- you... You what? two are the biggest hypocrites. No! <laughs> oh, you yeah? two... Oh, yeah? Back in October and November, those friendlies against England and Italy, where you guys were ready to burn down... U.S. Soccer's headquarters in Chicago. We didn't have a coach. We had Dave Sarkin as a coach. Sat there, sat on this very show, and talked about how we these meaningless did friendlies not 
have a coach. Yeah, that's why I tried saying at the time, and you guys were like, nope, this is terrible. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They're they didn't terrible. have a coach. They should have hired Berhalter now, in August. Now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, and these were meaningless friendlies. Now all of a sudden, hey, relax, relax. Sure, you know, the, this roster might be pretty bad, but hey, let's just relax. Let's no, relax. no, Jake, here's, hey, the here's the difference. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. Under Dave Sarakan. What direction did the U.S. men's national team have? Zero. Nothing. They were literally just in the dark shooting guns. Pew, pew, pew. They have no idea where those bullets were going. Well, under Greg Berhalter, they at least have a direction. And he cannot. He cannot just go in and get a bunch of random people and say, here's a system. And then they go play uh, Chile. A complex system. A complex system, system mind you. that so takes why weren't time. You relaxed. In November, when we had no head coach, why were you like, burn this MF for down? Burn this MF for down because the Federation didn't hire Greg Berhalter when he could have used those friendlies to implement his system. We are on and a delay. We are delayed. You said Christian, Christian Pulisic shouldn't put on the shirt anymore because he didn't look like he cared. Yep, he you're right. Because they, yep. weren't, they weren't putting their hands over their hearts through the national anthem. I remember yep. that. I remember you saying they're yep. more, they more didn't, likely they to didn't win cross they didn't arms. put their hands over the heart. They didn't do it. They didn't sing the national anthem together. Yep. They had platinum recording artist Ariana Grande perform the national anthem or some C-list country singer. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I I, just, how does that have to do like, with anything with today? Now that you're, it's not hypocritical. Seems a, little, seems a little hypocritical that some meaningless friendlies where there wasn't a head coach. Right. It there was, were meaningless friendly without a head coach. The, the caveat there is no head coach. No, no Tema. They shouldn't have been meaningless because they should have had a head coach. Yes. But they were meaningless because they didn't have a head coach. And Dave Sarakin was just like, all right, kids, go out and play. Oh, okay, that's too. And you guys were throwing the players under the bus in November. Just remember that. Well, I was. And I still stand by it. That's true. Armand Armand wasn't because Armand told me Tyler Adams is going to be the N'Golo Conte, I think, at that that point in time, too. So, yeah. We played Ecuador and Chile. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. When under, under Dave. They were just looking – there was nothing. Like, it was like burn my eyes. I just watched, like, some terrible-ass stuff. Like, it was, it was awful. Remember against Under Italy? Greg, they have a system. They have a system going. And you know what? He doesn't need to call up every freaking amazing player. He needs to see who fits his system. And for Greg, his system is really freaking specific from what we saw in those two friendlies. Oh, he wants to write back to tuck in in possession. He wants these guys being this. Every person I've talked to has said Greg is very tactical and like very like nitty gritty on the details. So he needs that base. He needs those. And you didn't. Players. And you didn't want him. You didn't want him. Yeah. I at the time I didn't want him. Juan I'm Carlos taking you. I'm coming. taking you both to task right now. Oh yeah, Juan Carlos. <laughs> and you're Osorio losing, Jake. First option. I'm you're not losing option. anything. Your ship is sinking, my friend. It's not sinking. Yes, not it is. Sinking. Yes, it is. Here, here's the thing. Greg Berhalter isn't going to be able to implement a complex system with a bunch of morons running around without having an idea of what to do. If you have people there of knowing what to do, they can teach them. And then be like, hey, he wants you to do this. Oh, okay. I'm not complaining about the roster. I'm, I'm only complaining about Timothy Weah for the most part, not being on this roster. Yeah, but I, I mean, people on Twitter are like, disappointed. I'm di- what do you expect? I told you guys to relax in November and you guys wanted to burn it down. And now all of a sudden it's, hey, just relax. Relax. <laughs> Because we didn't have a head coach. 
Yeah, so why don't you relax then? You know, it's it's it well, is what it because is. Because we were pissed Stop. at the Federation. There was nothing Stop we could be been, Yeah, you pissed the Federation. But then you, when you tell the the players they suck and that they shouldn't be the, the talent pool is not as good as it as maybe it's perceived and now all of a sudden That's that doesn't change out. anything. I can still say the talent pool sucks. Same. I'm just saying relax, Steven. <laughs> okay. Well, relax. On that note, listeners, tweet at us on Sam Soccer Pod at Jake Watroba. He'll be waiting with bells on for all your hot takes at or Michael Fi at Steven Jotter. And seriously, what what are your thoughts opening week or weekends in MLS? U.S. Women's National Team sues the Federation. What do you think is going to happen with that and the looming World Cup hanging over? the shoulders of the women and lastly this u.s men's national team armand says relax jake says i don't know what he says he's just pissed that timothy way i think he called relax it. just relax yeah there you R-E-L-A-X. go r-e-l-a-x <laughs> relax relax till next time From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360-degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving.